0: today is uh, we end our awakening series and this has been a series that I felt in my heart that we just uh, as a church that we so needed to do I felt that myself and and I share I've shared over the last two months as, as we've done this how in my own heart I felt that God needed to awaken something in my life um, and the series has gone on a lot longer than what I had anticipated um, but I just believe that God wanted us to continue. And today, I feel it, it's a good place to end this series. You know, back in, uh, uh, back in uh, the beginning of June, I went down to Ocean City with uh, uh, Raquel and myself and, uh, and one of the couples uh, here in the, in the church. They were down there and they said, if you want to come up uh, overnight and uh, we can go to the beach, then, uh, then you can do. And so uh, we went with Brandon and Zoe. Zoe is the one who was leading worship here this morning. Let me just say, uh, Raquel is is here this morning. She's just over in the kids area. And so I think it's awesome that we have people who can step up and, you know, fill in places and things like that. But uh, we went with Brandon and Zoe and they've got the cutest little boy that you could ever imagine. I mean, this boy is just like, you just want to munch him and eat him up. He's got like these big cheeks and you just want to you know? And, and that's a guy saying that. So imagine what the girls say. So he is like the cutest thing ever. So we were going out to eat one night. And it was kind of late at night. We went to this place called Mackey's. And we'd never been there before. Um, and it's a pretty neat place, actually. But we were there, and we were eating. And Ethan loves... i oh, sorry. Can someone close that door for me? Would that be okay? Thank you. So Ethan was... Um, uh, Loves to play the drums. And like last Sunday morning, he was was standing right uh, against this wall, back wall here. And he watched Jeremy as Jeremy set up his drums. And he just stood there for like 20 minutes just watching it. And then suddenly Jeremy starts playing the drums. And he's there with his hands doing this. You give him like two sticks. Like he was around our house yesterday. And he had these two paint... Brushes, and he was just bashing these paintbrushes. I mean, he's got rhythm. He's got everything. He loves to drum. So we were in this restaurant, and he had his, he had this knife and fork, and he just started beating the table like crazy. And it was pretty loud in there, but it, but he was being so loud that we could all hear, and like people in the table like opposite us could hear. He was like making a mess of this table. So his mum and dad decided to tell him, Ethan, no. Well, he continued a little bit. So the voice got a little more, and they went, Ethan. No. Well, you should have seen his face. His face was like a picture. We just couldn't stop laughing. Because suddenly his lip just pouted out like as far as you can imagine. And he just sat there with his head down for like five minutes. Wouldn't even look up and just looked so miserable that he couldn't beat these knife and fork on this table. He had done something that he thought was wrong and he knew he'd been caught because of it. And there's always something I find that eats us off on the inside of us when we know that we've done something wrong. Why is it that a criminal who may have been on the run for many, many years suddenly decides to turn himself into the authorities? This happened in um, uh, Colombia earlier this year. There was a a drug baron who had been on the run for 25 years, suddenly decided, I'm going to give myself up to the authorities. Well, why is it that they do that? It's because there's something that happens within us that eats us up when we know that we have done wrong. And it is because when we do things that are wrong, it starts to change us into someone we don't often like. And as we come to the end of this series, we've been going through a scripture. And if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to 2 Chronicles uh, 7 and verse 14. And we've been going through this scripture for the last two months. And as we go to the uh, the end of this series, we finally see some promises that God gives to a man named Solomon. And these promises are for Solomon and the people of Israel. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. It says, then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. So there's three promises that God gives to the people of Israel. He says that God will hear them. And we talked last week, is God hearing our prayers. God will hear them. And then God will forgive their sins. And God will restore them. And today I want to deal with those two promises that God gives. The forgiveness of sins and the restoration of our lives or our land. The promise of forgiveness is one that we can so often overlook. You know, when we think about the Bible, if you've ever read more than just a couple of pages or chapters of the Bible, you will know that God's underlining theme history is forgiveness. Jesus came to this world and He died a terrible death on a cross in order to, to show us that He has forgiven our sins so He, he could take our sin away. And we can find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. But even before Jesus came, God forgave people because of their sins. And we see throughout the Bible, there is this, underlo- there's this history, this long timeline of history of God forgiving his people. And this is what happens. Or well, this is what happened in life. And this is what happens in us. Man lets God down. Then man lets each other down. And then man lets himself down. Then God forgives. And then when God forgives and we allow that forgiveness to take root in our heart, then we start to forgive others. And when we start to forgive others, then we start to realize we can start to forgive ourselves. However, we can so often gloss over what forgiveness really is. Sometimes we don't see the power in forgiveness. Sometimes we just say, yeah, God forgives or God has forgiven me of my sins. But we don't realize the incredible power behind the forgiveness that God has given to every one of us. And that God has provided that we can accept if we want. So this morning... Very quickly, we're going to do this in two parts. And the first part, I'm going to look, I want us to look at what forgiveness actually does in your life. What does forgiveness do in your life? If you accept the forgiveness of God in your life, what does that actually do in your life? Well, the first thing it does, it removes a weight that is so unbearable that you cannot even stand. It removes that weight. Psalm 103 and verse 12. This was a psalm of a king called David. And he says this in verse 12. He says, God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. I don't know how many of you have tried to go from the east coast of the United States to the west coast of the United States, like in one drive. It's going to take you like three and a half days to do it. The United States is a, lot, a big, big place. I, I'm from England, and we can get from like one side of England to the other in like three hours, something like that. And you guys, it takes three and a half days to do it. It's a big place. Well, God says... That He has removed our sins, not from the east coast of America to the west coast of America, but the east of this world to the west of this world. God has removed them. That means that, that they are no longer in sight. If you look out on the horizon, you can no longer see your sins when God forgives you. And what happens is when we sin, this weight comes upon us. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, verse 23, it says that every man who has ever lived, every man on this world, man or woman, has sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard that God has set for mankind. Every man has sinned and fallen short of that. This means that we have wronged God. This means that we have disobeyed God. And this means that we have disqualified ourselves from a relationship with God. And the result of this is that this sin that Romans 3.23 talks about kind of rests on our shoulders and it weighs us down. And it keeps weighing us down. And the more we sin, the more weight is on our shoulders. And eventually what will happen, it may not happen overnight, but eventually after a lifetime that sin is going to break us. Well, Psalm 103, verse 12 says, God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That means that God has removed that weight, that burden of sin off your shoulders. And no longer does it need to weigh you down, but instead you're free of that weight. So forgiveness removes a weight. Also, forgiveness, it forges a relationship with God. Now notice I didn't say it forces a relationship. It forges a relationship with God. Colossians chapter uh, 1 and verse 13 to 14 says, For God has rescued us, or Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins so here we see that once we were in the kingdom of darkness last week we talked about the ascent, uh, uh, about how we need to awaken so that we can be in the light because when we're sleeping we're in darkness and the truth is is when we have got sin in our lives or when we are sinning we are in a place of darkness the bible calls it the kingdom of darkness and when we are in darkness that means we are not in the light. And Jesus Christ is the light of the world. So that means when we are in darkness, we are no longer in relationship with the light. Because what happens is that God cannot dwell where sin is. And sin cannot dwell where God is. So if we are sinning, God cannot dwell in our life. Oh, God cannot be close in a relationship with us. And the more that we sin, the more it breaks our relationship with God. This is what Adam and Eve did. All the way back in the, in the Garden of Eden, they had a great relationship with God. And then Eve takes of an apple, bites an apple, gives, gives it to Adam. Adam bites of the apple. And suddenly, in that moment, they've gone from light to darkness, from relationship to broken relationship. Well, the Bible tells us here in Colossians. Is there it says look at this it says for god or for jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness so that means through jesus christ you are no longer in this dark place but now he has brought you into the kingdom of his dear son which is the kingdom of light and he purchased it. he was able to do that it says and he forgave our sins so when we have forgiveness, it not only removes a weight, but it forges a relationship with God that has been broken once again. And then finally, forgiveness cleans up our sins. Forgiveness cleans up our sins. I'm just going through a bunch of scriptures today. And, uh, you know, and, and just to show exactly who God is and what God desires for our lives. And God desires to forgive every one of us of our sins. And this is what it says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, but if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and then to cleanse, cleanse us from all wickedness. So God is faithful and just. If we just confess our sins to Him, then He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and then to cleanse us. From all wickedness. Did you know that sin is dirty? Sin isn't clean. Sin isn't nice. Sin is dirty. Sin stains. Have you ever tried to like get like a stain out of a white carpet? It's like really, really hard. Well, that's like sin in your life. When you sin, it stains your life. Sin contaminates. We've been talking about by getting clean water for, for a village in a third world country. And They can't go and just get normal water because it's dirty and it's contaminated. Well, sin is like that in our lives. When we sin, it contaminates our life. Sin also destroys. And it will destroy you. It will destroy your relationships. It will destroy things in your life that you never thought could be destroyed. Yet, when forgiveness comes... When Christ comes into our lives, He brings forgiveness. And when forgiveness comes, He brings grace and mercy. And this grace and mercy is like a bleach that comes and just takes away those stains. It cleans that dirt up. It filters uh, our lives so we are no longer contaminated. And it repairs what is destroyed. That is the forgiveness of sins. So when God told Solomon, He said, If my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will yearn after me and seek after me, if they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will bring this kind of forgiveness to their lives. And I don't know where you are in your life today. You may have fallen into sin. You may have sinned in your life No matter how much you've allowed sin maybe to consume your life, maybe lately, maybe in the past, the promise of God is this. If you humble yourself before God, if you confess and turn from those wicked ways, God is always faithful and just to forgive those sins. For it is only through Jesus Christ that there is forgiveness of sins. One time Jesus was, when he walked this earth, He went and healed somebody. And then when he healed them, he said, and your sins are forgiven. And there was all these religious leaders called the Pharisees who who didn't believe that Jesus was really who Jesus was. That was the Messiah. And they did not believe that Jesus, and they said, who is this man who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Well, I have news for you today. This man, Jesus, he is God. And he has the authority to forgive sins. And he is the only one who has the authority to forgive your sins. That is the power of forgiveness. And that is who God, or what God has promised for his people. But then also in two Chronicles chapter seven and fourteen, it doesn't say. Uh, it doesn't just say that I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. The last promise that God gives to His people is this: and I will restore their land. I will restore their land. I love Washington DC. Uh, it's like my favourite city in the whole of the world. I was in London a few weeks ago, and I love London. But Washington DC, I just love it. I don't know why. But there is a museum there, and I love all the museums, and I love the fact that most of them are free. But there is a museum there. It's a pretty new museum. It's called the Newsium. And you actually have to pay to go into there. So I was actually surprised that we went in there one day. But Raquel and myself, we went in there. And I think it's, my, I think it's like the best museum in, in Washington, D.C. So if you ever go to Washington, D.C., go to the Newsium. Uh, basically, it's a museum about news, And it's all about the different uh, events that have taken place since news has been broadcast. So through newspapers, through television, through the internet, and they they, they go through it all. And there's a few different um, memorials in there or big um, expeditions on some of the events that have happened in our lifetime. One of them was 9-11. And you go through around there and you start to reread about all the things that happened in 9-11. And then there's a, a big expedition on Hurricane Katrina. And you go around and you read and you see the things and all the devastation that was made in, uh, through Hurricane Katrina. And when I went around there, I started to realize, wow, people's lives can be destroyed in a split second. We saw that this week with just that disaster that happened, that, that, that attack that happened in Colorado. Some people were watching a movie one minute, next minute, their lives are taken from them. Or they're hurt or they're injured and their lives are totally destroyed. In a split second, our lives can be destroyed and our lives can be taken. And I've discovered at times that life in general can be pretty destructive at times. Events happen like 9-11, like what happened in, in Colorado. Relationships break down. Jealousy or anger can set into our lives and set us on a collision course for destruction. We can one day walk into a doctor's office and get a diagnosis that is not in our favor. Sometimes you'll go to the mailbox and you'll pull out unexpected bills that you never thought that will just kind of destroy your financial standing. Sometimes your dreams that you've had all your life are broken. Other times your hopes are just shattered destruction and this can be almost like a terrorist attack on our lives an unstoppable force that comes and it leaves destruction in our lives and sometimes we think we will never get over it i mean just think for a moment some of the devastation devastating things that may have happened in your lives i've known people girls who have been raped boys who have been abused children who have been neglected Spouses who have been cheated on. Bodies that suddenly have started to decay and die at an early age. A debt that just consumes our thoughts. Regrets that we in our past that just continue to become this reoccurring nightmare. Storms and attacks that come into our lives. And when they come, they come for one purpose. And that is to destroy. However... God doesn't promise just to forgive. God promises a man named Solomon. He says that I will forgive and I will restore. And there is something about God that is just incredible. And that is that God is a restoring God. What has been broken, what has been destroyed, God can restore let me take you back to ancient Israel. There was a man named Joel. Joel was like a prophet and in the Old Testament. And Joel lived in a time where the nation of Israel... They had had so many promises from God. They'd, they had they, had these wonderful days when they had King David as their king or Solomon as their king. They basically reigned the earth and, and they had peace and, and, and they built temples unto God. Well, hundreds of years later, destruction has come. They've been invaded. Their people have been uh, kidnapped and, and, and taken captive to a foreign land. And now the big walls that surrounded made their made their, their capital city, Jerusalem, had been torn down. And this man named Joel comes along. And God speaks to Joel. And this is what God says. And God speaks to Joel and, and, and asks Joel to go speak to the people. And Joel says, The Lord gave this message to Joel, son. Of Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land, in all your history, has anything ever happened like this before? Tell your children about it to come. And let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. Then this. It says, after the cutting locusts finished eating the crops... The swarming locusts took what was left. After them came the hopping locusts. And then the stripping locusts too. How many of you have ever like seen like on like Discovery Channel or National Geographic or something like that, like a swarm of locusts going to destroy something? You can get a farmer's field and you can get some nice crops, big crops. All it takes is just a couple of hours for some locusts who are swarmed just to come and they will destroy that entire crop. And Joel said, this is what happened with Israel. It was like a swarm of locusts came. One swarm, then another, and then another, then a fourth swarm came and it just destroyed their land destroyed their crops, destroyed their their hopes, destroyed their dreams. And for so many of us, our lives can feel like a swarm of locusts have just come and eaten anything good that we've produced. It feels like whenever we make progress... That a, a plague comes out of nowhere and it destroys and it devours. It seems like we make one step forward and then we take three steps back. Because it's like life has just come and this swarm of locusts have come and devoured. This man Joel, he had seen physical destruction, but he had also seen spiritual destruction. And I'll be honest with you this morning, as I look upon our nation and our community, and I just think about the events that have happened over the last few days. I've come to the conclusion, it's like a swarm of locusts. It's coming over our neighborhoods and our communities, and it's trying to destroy us. They've come in all different shapes and sizes, and I won't go into what I think those are. But I've discovered this. That the promises of God are faithful. And if God told Solomon that if the people humbled themselves, if they prayed, if they yearned for more after God and then repented for the wrongs that they had done, then God would restore what these locusts have eaten and destroyed. And I want to very quickly, as we close today, just share with you what I believe that God does when He restores. When God restores, He restores what has been eaten away. God restores what has been eaten away. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem, rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain He sends demonstrates His faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rain, or some translations say the latter rain, will come as well as the rains of spring or the former rains. The threshing floors, which were the place where they put like, the, the, the crops and the, and the hay and, uh, um, and the wheat, will be piled high with grain. And the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give back what you lost. To the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. he says, it was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God, who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel. That I am the Lord your God and there is no other, never again will my people be disgraced. This is the promise that God gave to Joel. Remember, Israel had been destroyed. And God says, I will will restore everything that has been eaten and everything that has been destroyed in your life. What you think that you may have lost or what has been taken away from you, I believe that the promises of God are this, that God will restore to you what has been destroyed. So maybe it's something that happened in your childhood, or maybe it's something that happened in a relationship, or maybe it's something that's happened later in life, and you feel that your life has been taken away. When you put your trust in God, then God will restore to you what has been eaten away. I also believe that God restores broken dreams. We haven't got time to read it this morning, but there was another prophet who was around at a similar time as Joel. His name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah saw the destruction that happened with Israel. And God had promised them that that the people of Israel would have their own land and that they would have good fortune. And all that Jeremiah saw was just broken dreams shattered hopes and God said this to Jeremiah says tell my people this there's a day coming when I will restore your land and I will restore your good fortune God had promised them so much and this nation had seen their dreams destroyed before their very eyes and maybe today you've seen your dreams destroyed Maybe you had dreams in your life and they've been shattered, they've been broken, and you think those dreams will never happen in my life. Maybe they were dreams of a good marriage and your marriage isn't good. Maybe there were dreams of a good career and you found yourself in just dead-end job after dead-end job. Maybe it was dreams of good health and you found yourself sick. When you humble yourself before the Almighty God, When you pray, when you seek after Him, when you turn from the wicked ways or the things that aren't of God and you set yourself on a path towards God, then the promise of God is this that God will restore those dreams that have been lost in your life. And then finally, God restores what is worn out. How many of you have ever been worn out? physically mentally emotionally worn out you feel like all i want to do is crawl in a corner and go to sleep well god restores those people as well in 2 corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says there it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who has given their life to Christ, repenting of their sin and given their lives to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Maybe your old life wore you out. Maybe your old life was broken down and destroyed. Well, when you find your life in Jesus Christ, when you find hope in Jesus Christ, when you humble yourself before the Lord, when you pray, when you seek after God, when you turn from that path that isn't of God onto the path that is of God, then God will restore you and He will restore what is worn out. And if you are worn out, if you are burnt out, if you are just down and depressed, then when you come unto God, this is the promise of God, that God will recreate in you a new creation, the old is gone, and the new has come. You know, as we close out this series that we've been doing, Awakening, I believe, and it's been a hard series, it's, we, we've dealt with a lot of painful stuff. It hasn't been your you know, easy to go message, like, wasn't that pleasant? It's been hard. It's been like we've been on our knees, like, just grease, like, cleaning the grease off the floor. But this is what I believe. I believe that God desires you. It's what he desires. He desires you. He didn't desire all this other stuff. He didn't desire a great career or you to have a great, like, you know, parenting skills or a great house or a great car. I believe that God desires, all that God desires is you and only you. I believe that God wants your attention. I believe that God wants your humility. I believe that God wants your prayers. And God wants you to turn your back on the things that are not of Him. And turn and then follow Him. I think He desires this because I honestly believe that God wants to benefit us. He does it for our benefit. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to do good things. He wants to bless us. He wants what is best for us. And God is not a God that just forgives, but God is a God who restores. And look at this. This is what happened to Solomon. This is what God said to Solomon. And the people of Israel, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. Then he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple of the temple that Solomon built and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. Now I want to quickly just reread this and, and, and make it personal to us here at Generation Church. And I believe this is what God is saying to us at Generation Church. I believe God is saying, my eyes will be open And my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. In this place. In your homes. In your car. You know, whether you're at school or at work, the prayers that you make, I believe that God will be attentive and God will hear. Then it says, for I have chosen generation church, the people of Generation Church. And I've set them apart to be holy. A church where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over them. For they are dear to my heart. I honestly believe that God, that is what God is wanting to say to us. That is what God wants to do in our lives. But it takes a humbling. It takes prayer. It takes seeking after God. And it takes turning from the ways that are not of God. You know, everything that we do must be for the glory of God. Not for our glory, but for His glory. And the reality is, when we discussed this last week, that we must awake. Because when we awake, then we start to decrease. And when we start to decrease, the Bible tells us that God starts to increase. But the incredible thing is, is when God starts to increase, then the Bible tells us that we start to soar. And as we finish today, I want to read one more promise to you. To promise that for those who have been coming to church for a while, you're pretty familiar with this verse. And this is the promise. Have you never heard... Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of His understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will uh, fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord... They will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. And they will run. And they will not grow weary. And they will walk. And they will not be faint. This morning, as we close this series, I believe that God wants you to soar. God wants to forgive. And God wants to restore. what it takes is a life devoted unto God a life that where God is first